sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after Dubs Anderson and Megan Payton taking you through the next hour here. Megan, what a Wednesday it is. So much good sports. One we haven't touched on, the NFL offseason mini camps. They are back underway. Dalton Schultz, he returns for the Dallas Cowboys. Contract talks still on negotiation. The big tight end, he wants the bag. And why wouldn't he after seeing the likes of David Njoku getting the big 57 milli bag last week? What's your thoughts on this one? Hey, Dubs, you know, my thoughts are this This is always expected. You know, players don't like the franchise tag. It's known, and I know it, it sounds nice in theory. Yeah, you're going to be making, you know, a top tight end salary, but you want that long-term deal. However, I, I don't know that Dalton Schultz necessarily, I don't want to say he doesn't deserve it, but he's not in, you know, that top 10 tight end category right now. So if I'm Dalton, you know, I'm showing up, you know, I'm happy to be there. I'm going to be making $10.9 million this season. I, I know I am the best tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. However, I, I've got to prove myself this year that, you know, a deal might happen and we, we still have time, but, you know, he's already signed his Tinder. I, he's okay probably being on this squad, knowing that he is placed on the franchise tag. And that's just how it is. Sometimes we see the drama of the franchise tag come up every off season with different players. And it is unfortunate because you always worry about injury. You always worry about ah the what ifs, what if this happens? We saw it with safety Quandre Diggs at the Seattle Seahawks last season, just the emotion on his face after getting injured at the end of the season last year. Now the Seahawks did resign him, of course, but I don't think Dalton Schultz has too much to worry about here he's been productive but I do think we need to see a little bit more out of him before you know the Cowboys really think about a long-term solution with him yeah I mean the first couple of seasons his primary role was just blocking then you know they've got him more involved with the with the catching but I mean he's no Jason Witten he's no top 10 to, you know tight end in the league here let's just relax in, in a world where you've got the likes of Kelsey Waller, uh, come on now. Skittles, come on. I, I mean, no, nah, I'm not paying the bag for this man. No, I agree. And, and you know, he's he's not he's not there right now. And and he's still yeah. young. He's 25 years old. So we've got time for Schultz to improve. And if I'm him, I'm happy that I'm getting paid 10.9 million by the Dallas Cowboys. But the Cowboys have to do well this season, and they are always going to be, you know, probably on the top favorites, the NFC East. We can never not count on the Cowboys here. They are plus 115 with the shortest odds to win the East. However, uh, Dubs, I really don't think this is the year for the Cowboys. The Philadelphia Eagles are the ones sticking out to me. The Eagles had a fantastic offseason, probably the best offseason maybe in NFL history. They now have um, all-star wide receiver A.J. Brown on their team. They drafted defensive tackle Jordan Davis. They got their new center in Cam Jurgens, and they also got linebacker N'Kobe Dean. I'm not saying that the Eagles are making it to the Super Bowl dubs, but I do think that they've now got a shot to be real competitive in the NFC East. And the Cowboys, they've got to look out because the Cowboys, guess who they lost? They lost their star wide receiver, Amari Cooper. Is it going to look a little bit different in Dallas? I'd say probably, yeah. 
Yeah, what, C.D. Lamb, now the primary uh, receiver? Come on now. Jalen Hurts, Megan, one would argue this is make or break for him. You've given him the weapons he needs. He's got unbelievable wheels out there. What's the outlook for Jalen Hurts? I'd agree. It's a little bit make or break right now. He does now have more weapons. So we've got to see uh, Jalen Hurts improve here. We are now welcoming in our series XM Radio. Uh, welcome in. We're talking NFL right now, the NFC East, the Eagles, whether or not they can come up on top against the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's going to happen this year, but Jalen Hurts has to improve. And you really, you worry about injuries. You've got to stay healthy. He's got to maybe like, Tone it back a little bit on the running. Let's get let's get those passing yards up. Let's get down the t- interceptions. And let's see what you can do now that you have one of the best wide receivers on your team in A.J. Brown. Yeah, and what about the Giants there? I, I know there's not much uh, expectation for them. Saquon Barkley, he looks fantastic again. The best calves in the business, Megan. Are they just making up the numbers? They're making up the numbers a little bit here, Dubs. I don't think the Giants are going to do great this season. You know, Daniel Jones, this is a Baker break year for Daniel Jones. I don't, I, he's not a quarterback that I look at and go, all right, I do see like a long-term future with him, but you never know. Stuff could happen. The Giants also did have a good draft this season. I don't think that they're real contenders right now. I think the commanders really, they're not up there either. I think this this NFC conference as a whole, not as strong. There's not as much talent as it is in the AFC. We talked about this on the show last Saturday. It's changing. Times are changing. This NFC domination, it's over right now. The AFC is where it's at. And so it does, it's a little bit beneficial for Teams like the Cowboys, teams like the Eagles, they can actually have a better shot with a, you know, not as hot conference and not as hot uh, division. Yeah, unbelievable. And what about Deshaun Watson facing the media yesterday, first time since late March? He's got, what, 24 active civil lawsuits against his name. Quickly, Megan, what, what is the outlook for the Browns there? Surely this man is not taking snaps early in the season here. No way, Dubs. We we are not going to see quarterback Deshaun Watson for a while. If I had to put my money, which this is not a bet, but if I had to put my money on Deshaun Watson's suspension, I think it's going to be over eight games. The NFL has to deal with this correctly. Deshaun Watson speaking to the media, denying everything, but of course, uh, there, there's a lot to, still to investigate. Yeah, somebody's got to buy my man a massage chair or something. This is out of control. Deshaun Watson, what a waste of talent. When we come back, plenty more here on the morning after. A bit of US Open talk. Oh, don't do me like that. Let's go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after Dubs Anderson and Megan Payton taking you through the next hour here. Now, Megan, the U.S. Open golf teeing off tomorrow. The Country Club over there in Brookline, Massachusetts. You know, your boy absolutely thrives for the PGA Tour in the golf. And this one, it looks a little different with everything going on with the whole Live Invitational Golf Series. All those players have come back stateside. They're pegging it up this week. Everyone but... Tiger Woods will be there in attendance. Lefty Phil Mickelson has been out there. The press conference, they have been going after big Phil Mickelson. A couple of months in the wilderness there. Good to see him back. He's looking a little 
uh, disheveled. He, he looks like uh, Nicolas Cage out of Con Air. He's got the long hair growing, a bit of facial stubble, if you will, but a, a great tournament. Uh, probably the toughest major we get all season long. Uh, we, we've got a few extra qualifiers for this one. It is the US Open. A lot of history, a lot of prestige. We've had majors here, Ryder Cups here. So I'm excited. And it's a major, Megan. The cream's going to rise to the top. So we get a little chalky in a week like this. We stay towards the top of the board, but I cannot wait for it. Yeah, and it's you're right. The prestige, the history, it's something that has been it's so big in, in just the history of golf. And, you know, you talk about this Live League stuff and, you know, we saw Phil Mickelson's press conference. They they attacked him. They asked him a ton of questions. And this has been the narrative for the U.S. Open. Do you feel like all the drama with the Live League, is it overshadowing what we should be talking about with the U.S. Open and the guys competing in this uh, tournament and what we should actually be getting out of this? I feel like Live is kind of taking over a bit right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, too many golf experts now, human rights experts, and no one says like, hey, the NBA, they're getting their money from China. The F1, you know, they go to Saudi. The tennis goes there. The horse racing goes there. But now Phil Mickelson's the worst guy in the world. When Tiger Woods comes back to the Masters, no one's like, hey, Tiger, what what happened with the crash there, mate? What, what was cooking? So protected in one sense, guys like Phil Mickelson, I think there's a little jealousy. No one agrees where the money's coming from is a good thing, but it is what it is. It's not going away. Their next event, they're, you know, top, top of the month. But we should be focused on the U.S. Open. Such a strong field and so many young guys coming in with form. And this is what still makes the PGA Tour so good. We saw it last Sunday. The likes of Roy McIlroy. Justin Thomas trying to go back-to-back at the majors. Your dominant world number one, Scotty Scheffler. Last year's winner, John Ra. I mean, we look at the odds here. McElroy listed at 10-1 to 1 as your favorite. I can't get behind that. I think when he is the man up top, he scares himself a little bit. Justin Thomas, I think, at 12-1, to 1, that is a good number. Uh, I really like his game on this golf course. He is going to be a factor. Cameron Smith, the Aussie, I think that's good value at 21-1. to 1. A guy with such good short game, such good punting. He's a little wayward off the tee. And this is a week where you've got to keep it in play. Find the fairways, find the greens. It's an old school layout. Play at the old school way. Who else plays at the old school way? What about Paddy Cantlay? Paddy Ice there at 24 to 1. He's not a killer, but he is a bad man on the golf course. Paddy Cantlay failed to step up at the PGA Championship. I think the motivation's there for him. You look at the key stats. He's inside the top 60 in every department. He's played the U.S. Open fantastic before, despite not playing it at this golf course for Paddy Cantlay. I think he's going to be a factor. Again, this is a week we stay towards the top of the board. We don't see any bolters at the major championships. We go for the bigger names. This is the differentiator. Tough golf course. Paddy Cantlay at 24 to 1. We like that number. And Rory McIlroy winning now two years in a row the Canadian Open. Can he do it in the U.S. Open this year? Now, Dubs, there's a lot of approaches to betting on the U.S. Open. Yes, we look at the outright odds, but there are a lot of other fun bets. So what is your approach this week? How are you betting on it? What advice are you giving to the people wanting to get a little stake in the U.S. Open this week? Yeah, and this is the beauty of the golf betting. So many great markets to get involved with. You can spread your risk. Again, I look at the golf course. Um, you've got to keep it in place. I'm big on accuracy this week, not so much on distance. We factor in the intangibles. I mean, if you look at the top five market, that's one that stands out to me because a lot of these guys can get themselves in the mix, but can they win it late on a Sunday afternoon? I think Justin Thomas, again, plus 650, he's going to be there on Sunday. I think Morikawa, a guy people 
are forgetting about it. Nine to one. I mean, this guy's always a threat at the majors. The putting's been a little shaky for him of late, but again, really small greens this week. I don't see a lot of three putts. It's going to help the better iron players. And again, Colin Morikawa, one of the best in the business. You get him at nine to one for a top five finish. We like that. A great market Thursday, round one low scores. Now, this is where we can target the guys with the highest ceiling. Super erratic. You know, when no one's watching him, anyone can post a good number Thursday, Friday, even Dubsy. And then you put him in the last groups, you know, Saturday, Sunday, they go up in flames. So this is where we can have a bit of a flutter, go after a bit of value. Who can make birdies? Who's got that higher ceiling? Start out strong on Thursday, cash a couple of big tickets, and sometimes you can get better numbers than you get in there in the outright market. So for your round one, low scores, I'm going to stay away from some of these big names up top and go towards the value play. Sam Burns at 31 to 1 and Willie Z at 31 to 1. We know how good these guys are. And Sam Burns, he's a proven winner. He, he, he's not a guy who gets himself in the mix and goes backwards. Uh, you know, four-time we're on the PGA Tour now. Absolute unit. And a guy like Willie Z. This is a guy who I don't think can get it done on Sunday. We saw that at the PGA Championship. The putting stroke, it could haunt houses, Megan. It's that bad for young Willie Zalatoris. But on Thursday, there's no pressure. So he's going to be absolutely dynamite. Will Zalatoris for a round one low score on Thursday, a 31 to 1. We about that. And Dub, speaking of people not getting it done, one of the uh, bets we can actually do on FanDuel Sportsbook is players to miss the cut who right now is just gonna have a bad bad week who are we looking at to really struggle this week here at the u.s open i think any of the live golf uh attendees <laughs> from last week i mean these guys have just given up you know there's a guy patrick reed plus 108 to miss the cut you, you, you've got to be about that for the live guys i mean they signal to me that hey we've got no motivation we're chasing the bag They've played some wacky tournament, 54 holes there in London. They now travel back to the States, taking on the best of the best. And as awkward as it is with, you know, all, all the press, the media asking these questions, these guys don't want to be in the mix there. So I think any of the big names, even a guy like Dustin Johnson, I don't think he's going to be a factor. You're getting Paddy Reid a plus money to miss the cut. Paddy Reid, good short game, but again, no form. And, and we back form. I mean, what we've seen the last four or five weeks on the PGA Tour, that's the best measuring stick for us so i can't get behind patty reed dustin johnson anyone who's played in the live events phil mickelson i mean he is right up against it as well and unfor unfortunately dubs this really has been the storyline with golf as a whole right now we've seen now how the media has responded to guys like phil mickelson dustin johnson who didn't do the press conference we've seen a couple of the pga players respond to, you know, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, guys like that, their choices. How are they going to be out there, um, you know, this week? Are we going to see some awkwardness? How are the players going to respond? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's going to be awkward. I think the fans are going to absolutely give it to some of these guys, as they should, right? Um, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas have been ad advocates for the PGA Tour. Very, you know, firm on their stance. There's a line in the sand here, and you see it from some of the practice rounds. The live guys are going up, hugging each other. The PGA Tour boys are trying to stick together. So awkward times. I think there's going to be a bit of hostility, hopefully, from the Boston fans. And that's what we want to see. Golf can get a little boring, a little stuffy. Give it to these boys. Whether you like it or not, I want to see a bit of brouhaha out on the golf course. You, you want to go and get the bag? Hey, nothing comes easy. Now you've got to put up with these, these mad golf fans over in Boston. So fool them up. Plenty of cause lights out there, Megan. I want to see the fireworks. 
I told you, Dubs, I want to see some clubs being thrown. Let's get the drama going. It always, you should watch it always adds a little bit of spice, right? I know. Yeah, <laughs> some yeah, happy absolutely. Gilmore action. Tyrrell Haddon, Dubsy, we love snapping a couple of clubs, but that's what we're going to see out there. I think it's going to play very tough. Uh, great old school golf course. When we come back from the break, Cam Rogers, one of the best to do it. He's going to give us some great picks, what to look for. And look, Teeing off tomorrow. We've got to go and get those tickets in. The toughest major out of all four. No, 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 nothing else even comes close. The US Open. John Rahm got it done last year. No one's talking about John Rahm. I wonder if he can be a factor. We'll ask Ken Rogers when we come back the morning after. Keep it locked. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after Dubs Anderson and Megan Payton, the U.S. Open Golf teeing off tomorrow, the third major championship of the year. Who better to break it down? Cam Rogers, happy Wednesday, sir. We have not had quite the lead up like this into a major championship. What are your thoughts headed into this one? What's going on, guys? Great to be with you. Happy Wednesday. Let me tell you some interesting storylines leading up to this U.S. Open. And honestly, I think surreal is the right word to sort of describe what's going on right now between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. Never in my lifetime have I seen some sort of rival tour come through and sort of create this dichotomy, if you will, between two separate uh, sets of golfers here. So, Listen, I think it's an interesting storyline to track. Of course, we have a great U.S. Open ahead of us, but the Live Tour, very much part of the conversation. Yeah, it's all anyone's talking about, Cam, right now. And unfortunately, it's kind of overshadowing the excitement of the U.S. Open. I asked the Dubs this, so I want to hear your thoughts. How are the fans, how are the players, how's everyone going to respond? We've seen how the media responded to Phil Mickelson during his press conference. Are we going to see similar reactions from the fans and everyone out there this week? Yeah, let me just say that golf Twitter is not indicative of real world life. And so we're already hearing that everybody is cheering on Phil Mickelson. He's doing the thumbs up thing, chatting with people. He's on the Celtics, of course. Got to play to the hometown crowd, of course. So all that put together, I thought maybe Phil would get booed a little bit, maybe heckled here and there. But it sounds like that's not going to happen. Maybe they're saving it for Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau, two guys who are headed on over to the Live Golf Tour as well. By the way, just going back to that press conference from Phil on Monday, the media asked those questions, of course, about the Live Golf Tour, but that should be expected if you're Phil Mickelson. And when you're dark for so long, are you not huddled up with your PR team, like figuring out what you're gonna say to these questions? Like, what's going on? Like, he looked ashamed, awkward at times, unprepared during this press conference. So listen, I'm not a finger wagger at all for anybody who's going to the Live Tour. You know, to each his own, go cash out. But, Phil, like, come on, bring some answers, man. Yeah, madness. Now, look, Cam, John Rahm uh, trying to go back-to-back. -back. JT, a recent winner at the PGA Championship. Roy McIlroy has obviously found something out on the golf course. Who are you liking this week? What should we be looking for in the outright market? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting, Dubs. We're looking at a U.S. Open that really isn't a bomber's paradise. You look at the past winners, Tory Pines, John Rahm, of course, Bryson at Winged Foot, Dustin Johnson at Oakmont. These are big ballparks that we're talking about, right? Well, the country club, par 70, 7,200 yards. It's very much going to be target golf, creativity, artistry, if you will, second smallest greens in major championship history. So if everybody's missing greens, everybody's in the same bucket, Everybody's going to try to save themselves for par out of these bunkers and what have you. So I am really looking at target golf, and really a lot of the shorter hitters can come into the fray here in terms of the leaderboard this week. The guy I'm on is Xander Shoffley. I think he's going to win this thing 22-1 to 1 over at FanDuel. Five top tens and five U.S. Open appearances. Only Bobby Jones in 1920 has a longer streak. He's seventh on tour, strokes gained tee to green the best sand player in this field. I don't think I've ever brought this up on this show, but I'm looking at sand save percentage big time this week. So Xander Shoffley is a guy that I'm on in the outright market. And then Sun JM as well, some serious value over at FanDuel. Keep an eye on him. He's been no worse than T21 since the players. Number one in this field in scrambling. Number two in bogey avoidance. You certainly need that at a U.S. Open. Cam, there's a lot of ways to bet this week. There's a lot of different things out there. And on the FanDuel Sportsbook, we look at the match money makers. Who are you taking? What are some of the best bets you would say for this week? Yeah, I love the matchup plays. And when you have major championships, a lot of casual bettors come into the fray here. So this is a great place to start. And let's start with Tony Finau. Minus 112 over Colin Morikawa here this week. What a performance for Team uh, Finau last week at the RBC Canadian Open. I mean, really a tough start to 2022 for him, but really has found his stride. He's fifth in strokes gained tee to green over the last 24 rounds. Top 10s in the 2020 and 2018 U.S. Opens. Really good major championship resume overall. Seventh in strokes gained around the green as well over the last 24 rounds. Colin Morikawa. I don't really know what's going on with him right now. The ball striking isn't as good as he would like. And if that's not good, he certainly can't rely on his short game. It's not very good at all. Probably one of the worst in the field. So I like that play there. You're getting plus money with Jordan Spieth over Patrick Cantley. Thank you very much. Plus 112, Jordan Spieth. Love him this week for a top 10 as well. Maybe even in the outright market if you want to go there. But I talk about artistry and creativity and sort of Thinking your way around a golf course, Jordan Spieth is somebody who can do that. Winner in 2015, of course, at Chambers Bay. So I like that plus money there. Justin Rose over Davis Riley. Kind of a funky matchup here, but I like Rose minus 102 over Riley, who only has three major championship starts to his credit. He was 13th at the PGA, but Rose has a pretty steady U.S. Open resume, right? Played pretty well last week at the RBC Canadian Open. So a few matchup plays for you right there. Yeah, like that, Cam. Now, look, it is a major championship. The intangibles count for more this week. You need that X factor. Everything will be tested. Do you put that into your metrics this week, Cam? I know you threw out a goal like Xander Shoffley. He's won the gold medal. What's it going to take on Sunday to get it done here? And you, you, you're confident the X-Men has what it takes there late on a Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. He has the mindset. He has the mentality. You have to have that major championship experience as well, right? So we're talking about, for instance, Victor Hovland and Patrick Cantley. A lot to be desired there in terms of major championship resume. So I'd rather wait for those guys to perform well on this stage before I put my hard-earned cash on them. So for somebody like Xander Shoffley, his resume is beautiful at major championships. Same with Will Zelatoris. I mean, he has come onto the scene big time at majors five top tens over his last seven starts as well on the pga tour he has that major championship game 
John Rama as well, right? When conditions get tough, John Rahm loves it. And I think he's got a good uh, mindset here going into this week. If you heard his soundbite about playing on the PGA Tour, very thoughtful in his way, thinking about playing on the PGA Tour with the best of the best. He doesn't like birdie fests, and that won't be the case this week. So John Rahm is a guy as well. So, you know, that major championship resume, that grinded out mentality, that's what I'm looking at as well. Uh, we look, Cam, at some of these ringer specials. Some, you know, as we said, golf has a lot of fun bets here. I like the ringer specials. Another thing I want to bring up, though, after this is guys to miss the cut. You know, I asked Dubs this, and he said, look at any of the Live League members, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, any of those players. How do you approach the ringer specials here? And then any guys you're looking at to miss the cut? Yeah, a lot of fun bets here over at FanDuel this week for the U.S. Open. I really like the any of the two, Will Zalatoris, Shane Lowry, and Tony Finau to finish inside the top 10. I see a reality where all three could finish inside the top 10 here this week. We talked about Zalatoris, talked about Finau. Shane Lowry is a major champion in his own right. He's a guy who can certainly grind it out here at the country club, so I like that play a lot as well. <clears throat> you could apply the same logic as with Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and John Rahm to finish inside the top five as well. That's any of the two there. I think McIlroy and Rahm have a really good shot to do that. So I like those plays as well. And then as far as the make-miscut is concerned, yeah, I think overall you got to fade the live golfers, right? I mean, I like Patrick Reed a little bit this week just because he has the open championship resume, if you will. But somebody like Dustin Johnson or Phil Mickelson or Sergio Garcia – if you want to play some bets on those guys to miss the cut, I certainly wouldn't talk you out of it. Let's take a look at Dustin's number here. I'm looking it up to miss the cut. Plus 172. I mean, I think that's some free money potentially because we're talking about a guy who, first of all, is not playing well on the PGA Tour right now. And, of course, he's on the Live Golf Tour now and finished only eighth in a smaller field with a lot of bad players. So, like, what's going on here? Plus 172 for Dustin Johnson to miss the cut. I could see that happening, guys. Yeah, you could probably add Bryson DeChambeau to that list as well there, Cam. But mm. what about your world number one? I feel like he's he's sneaking under the radar. Scotty Scheffler, a four-time winner on the PGA Tour this season. I mean, the books recognize he's going to be a threat. But the betting public, I don't hear too many people talking about Scotty Scheffler's chances this week. Yeah, not too much chatter about Scotty Scheffler here this week. And I'm a part of that as well. I haven't talked much about him. He's not inside my top 10 or anything along those lines. And this really just comes down to we got to split hairs at a major championship, right? When the elite of the elite are in the field, you sort of have to take a stand on these guys at the top of the board. So for somebody like Scotty Scheffler, I just think it's sheer variability on the PGA Tour. He won't finish inside the top 10. And if he's not going to do that, well, where's the value, right? I mean, I don't like it in the outright market. And for a top 20, you're laying some juice. So, you know, in that respect, I think Scotty Scheffler will be fine. Like he'll finish T17 or something like that. But how much money are you going to make when he actually finishes in that position, right? So that's my logic here this week. Same with, same with Cam Smith. I think, you know, those guys are going to come back to earth just a little bit here this week. They're not going to miss the cut or anything like that. But again, you have to take a stand on these elite guys. The hardest course, Cam. Um, what you're out there in Boston. What do what are people saying? What is your approach? What are you looking for this week? Um, and how does this course really affect these players? Yeah, it's a historic course, guys. We haven't seen it at a US Open since 1988. So it's been some time. Only two par fives. I'm hearing that the rough is brutal, a lot of uneven lies, blind approach shots, odd angles. 
some comparisons to Pebble Beach without the water. I don't know if I'll go that far, but mm -hmm. there is a link style sort of feel to this golf course here. So, you know, research is key this week. So the practice rounds that are happening today, of course, yesterday and Monday too, super critical to use for competition rounds because you have to understand how to play these shots when you're in these awkward positions. So again, back to that word artistry. Can you get it done around the greens? Cam Rogers, before we get you out of here, winning score on Sunday, what's it going to be? I'm going three under par. I think the wind is going to be calm Ooh. all week long, guys. So going with that. Tough. Cam Rogers, thank you, sir. Have a great U.S. Open. When we come back, the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after Dubs Anderson and Megan Payton. Now we're looking for a bit of ice advice. Megan, the Stanley Cup final getting underway this evening. The Lightning trying to strike thrice. Looking for the three-peat going up against the Colorado Avalanche in Colorado. Who better to break it down than the sportsbook conciliary, my main man, Davey Sharapan, best lids in the business. Happy Wednesday, Dave. Good to see both of you. The West Coast holding it down for the East Coast show up early doing our thing. I mean, you want ice advice. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> I like that. Nice. I like it. <laughs> oh, too much. Uh, Dave, we are looking at these first game of the series, the Avalanche versus the Lightning. Now, the Avalanche, they've had some time off after their big break, so they might be a little bit rusty here. We're looking at the odds. The Lightning, however, underdog at plus 126. What is your bet here? Who's going to get the first win of game one in the series? So this is the hardest thing to, to kind of handicap. Is it rest or rust? Okay. And I don't think you can actually – you know, have a definitive way, but you can kind of influence the number. So game one, you got 152 plus 126, okay? But you have series price minus 175, 180. So I think oddsmakers are telling you the Lightning are live in game one, all right? That's the way I look at it from here. I personally think they are as well, okay? Um, you see this kind of get played ahead of the series and so let's put it this way it's going one of two ways it's going to be a really high scoring crazy game like game one of you know lightning rangers of maybe calgary edmonton of lightning or avalanche uh edmonton or it's going to be a really low scoring game i think option number two is where i'm going under and lightning is what i'm looking at yeah, and Dave, I mean, Avalanche, you know, eight days well-rested coming into this one. But for the the Lightning, they look like they're getting better the longer this playoff run goes. And, I mean, you say it's going to be defense-orientated, as it always is in the big ones. I mean, how can you go against Vasilevsky? This guy's sensational. Best goaltender in the business. Yeah. So if, you, if you're thinking the game is kind of dictated by the Avalanche, you're probably thinking over, okay? 
And yeah. that's a fair assessment. A lot of times after a long rest like this, you see what I like to call sloppy hockey. It's a lot of um, missed assignments. It's a lot of penalties. It's a lot of like guys a step or two behind holding, clutching, grabbing, hooking, anything that a hockey player could do to try to prevent a goal, which leads to penalties in power plays, which then means more scoring opportunities and over. So I think there's a really good, you know, Dubs, I think there's two real definitive lines of thought here. It's that the two-time defending champs are dogs and they got the better goalie. This line got to be wrong. Give me the, the lightning. Or the Avalanche have been the best team all season. They're the deepest team. And, oh, yes, by the way, they have Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. They can win it too. You guys uh, bring up a good point just with how – how much better the Lightning's getting game by game. You would think they'd look beat up right now. They really don't. And I think a good storyline as we get into this series is the Lightning, they're looking for their third in a row. They're looking to create this, this dynasty where the Avalanche are kind of looking for this legacy to begin. And I look then and I think, all right, how many games are we actually going to see, Dave, when you when you look at the odds for is it going to be six? Are we going to see seven? How do you think this will play out? So there's a couple of people that really think that this could be a short series in Colorado's favor, a five game series oh. where they win both games at home. They split in Tampa and come back and clinch this thing in five. So five games is plus two forty. All right. I think we're in for a little bit of a longer series. I think it's a six or seven game series and the odds would suggest that the six game series there. Uh, good work boys. It's plus two Oh five, seven game series. Looking back, Morenci hit me with this yesterday on In-Game Live. There's only been one seven-game series in the last decade. So I think you may be able to rule out the seven And if you're looking to make a play. I don't think there's going to be a sweep, and I don't think it's going seven. So this is, is set for five or six. And again, picking the winner is tough enough, but I think picking the number of games is a little easier of a bet. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Dave, one would argue the Avalanche are that good, but you could also make the point that they've had a pretty easy run to get here. They, they haven't faced a team like the Lightning, but here they are. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you see the way these games start, right? You look at series price. There's a great parlay um, where you do series price, game one result with the series price. I think we got to be cautious with this one because – it's one of those things that Tampa could lose both games like they did against the Rangers and, you know, on the road and still win the series. But if you think Tampa can win game one and win the series, now you're getting plus, what does that say? Three, nine, that's really good price. So there's a really good plus there. Tampa winning and Colorado winning the series obviously is the biggest dog to happen. You can take a series price with Colorado, which is, again, minus 175, and get it to pick up minus 108 if you do that series one game one series price parlay. It's minus 108. Not bad value. Again, we're looking for winners, always, always searching for value, but looking for winners. And, Dave, the injuries have been a bit – a bit awful, I'd say both teams here, but we are hearing that center, uh, Tampa center, 
Braden Point may return for game one, John Cooper said. If not game one, game two. Do Will this affect the odds once we see him back? Does it change the way you're going to approach betting on this series? Braden Point's a really good hockey player and a valuable part of what the Lightning do. Will it affect the number? Not in the least. It won't affect it at all. <laughs> That's the craziest thing. The only position that really affects anything as far as odds is the quarterback in the NFL. And it's when it's a big disparity between the two. Crazy. Best hockey players on the team play 25 minutes a game, not even half the game they're on the ice, unless it's the goalie, which for the Lightning, they have Vasilevsky. I think for the Avalanche, that's the biggest question mark going in. We don't know. It's today. The game is mm -hmm. today. We don't know who's starting in net. For the, They know. They haven't told us yet. So that one will be one of those things. And, like, you can talk about that as far as the, you know, leading goal scorer or to win the Conn Smythe and different things like that. It's really a lot of different valuable bets, numbers, things to look at that I think we can kind of glance at. There's the leading goal scorer. Who will it be? I mean, is obvious it's Nathan McKinnon? I don't know. If you like the Lightning, one of those guys like Stamkos and Kucherov are there. Braden Point's even listed, which means that tells me the oddsmakers think he's coming back too. Yeah, I was going to say, Stamkos uh, at 6-1 to one there, Dave. That's great value. We know Vasilevsky's going to be sensational at the back, but who's going to have that X factor for the Lightning up front? Is it Stamkos? Who else can we keep an eye on in the series? Oh, Kucherov for sure. Kucherov to me yeah. is one of those guys that just – I can't take my eyes off him when I watch the games because <laughs> he moves without the puck as much as he does with the puck, and then he's constantly you know, finding pockets to set his guys up. So it's not just scoring, it's assists for him. And then, I mean, a, a not Nathan McKinnon guy is Landeskog for the Avalanche. It's another guy who's going to get goals, who's going to get opportunities. And Palat is is the other one for the, for the Lightning that I just love. The guy scores clutch goals. He skates with those guys. He's the third wheel um, with them on the power play. He even kills some penalties sometimes. So Palat is, a, is another one with a big number that I think – could lead this series in goals if the Lightning win it. Dave, as I'm looking at these lead score odds, I mean, you're getting great value on anyone that you choose. Is this going to shift as we get closer, game three, game four? When do we start to see it kind of even out here a little bit? One of the really strengths of FanDuel is they leave these up a lot of times during the games. They adjust during the games. The volatility of these things, Megan, are mind-boggling to me. So if a guy gets two goals tonight, I mean, you're going to see some big numbers, you know, come down. They're going to become the favorites. I don't even know series leading goal scorer. All right, if we play six games, how many goals is it going to take to win it? What's the number going to be? It's probably going to be five. So if a guy gets two goals tonight, that obviously vaults him to the lead and – Hockey's a weird thing. It's, just, it's, it's You can get hot, but it doesn't mean translate into more goals. So I think people will look to play the guy that scores tonight when I'm looking to play the guy that didn't, you know, because you get, you're going to get a lot of plus money there. Yeah. Dave, what, what about the Conn Smythe Awards? Am I right in saying that this is actually based on the whole 
postseason, not just yes. this final series. And who are you looking for? I mean, obviously the front runner, Cole McCarr, uh, McKinnon's going to yeah. be up there as well. Is there any value still left in this market? These markets are so tough, Dubsy, because you know we're voting on what people watching the playoffs are going to vote on. Now, the the good yeah. thing about the hockey is that it is the whole body of work for the entire playoffs. So based on that, it's one of three guys for me for Tampa. It's Vasilevsky, Kucherov, and Stamkos. Those are the three favorites. And it is McCarr or McKinnon for the Avalanche, only because they've been the most consistent and, you know, they have the best numbers. I think, though, they split the vote. That's the hard part picking it for Colorado is which one do you decide because now they're the favorites because their team is favored to win it. So I think if you're going to take a flyer, you pick the forward myself. I think McCarr's a yeah. defenseman. McKinnon's a forward. I would pick McKinnon in that situation. And for the other three lightning guys, I would pick the goalie because if they win this series, it's because of Vasilevsky. As much as yeah, these other true. guys do, they give it to the guy in net. Yeah. Dave, you, th you think about like, the NFL home field advantage or the NBA home court advantage. How much of a factor is home ice advantage? And do you think that we're going to see it go a little bit back and forth, sort of like you do sometimes in NBA series? Yeah. Um, so in the series against the Rangers, you know, every team won the home game, the first four, we might see that right. this series, we might see the avalanche hold court first games, one or two, and then the Lightning come win game three and four. They're both great buildings. They're both great places to watch playoff hockey. It's going to be electric in both buildings. <laughs> Whoever has the last change won't have as big of a factor in this one as it did in other series. So I think it's nullified a little bit, Megan. I don't know how much I put into the handicap. I think the goalie situation weighs more to me than the home ice. Dave, quickly before we get you out of here, overs, unders, six goals tonight. First thought is over. It's be over in this game, under in most of the rest of the series. How like nice it. is that ice advice? That's how you do it, you <laughs> two. Oh, uh, the wordsmith on a Wednesday, baby. Sharapin, the greatest of all time. Keep it locked here the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after Dubs Anderson and Megan Payton getting your Wednesday started right. It has been a blast filling in for Benny Stevens, and we're going to run it back tomorrow. Same time, same place. This is where we're getting it done. Cash and tickets, looking for that value. And Megan, we got to do it again. I know you've got a big bet coming up here this afternoon, so I think it may be time for a little bye-bye-bye. Let's roll the tape, ladies and gentlemen. Megan, what have you got for us? 
Dubs, my bye 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 today is the Braves money line minus 194. The Braves are on a 13 game winning streak. This is the longest winning streak by defending champion. They beat the Nationals 10 to 4 yesterday. The Braves have had 17 home runs in the past four games. Might not be the best, most juice you can get on a bet, but this is the one I'm most confident on. Bet on baseball teams that are hot, and the Braves are currently hot right now. Yeah, they are in the Nationals. They ain't so hot. They ain't all that in a bag of chips. I'm absolutely going to ride with you there, there, the Braves, to get it done this evening. Let's hope the Dodgers can follow suit as well. Megan, what a week it is. The Stanley Cup Finals getting underway this evening. Who would have thought Dave Sharapin had them skills up his sleeve? The wordsmith, Ryman. I'm going to get him in the right? studio making a couple of beats. we got the golf team off tomorrow. I know you've got some tickets in for the U.S. Open tomorrow. We had Cam Rogers on the show earlier. It's, it's a top four week for me, Megan. I dare say the same for yourself. We really, we really have to appreciate this right now, Dubs, because I, I was thinking a couple weeks from now, like we're looking at a lot of sports gone. So let's enjoy the U.S. Open. We've got the NBA files probably ending here soon, and we've got one more series left in the NHL. I'm excited, and I'm kind of holding on to these last few moments with all these sports. Love it. Megan, it has been a blast. What a week it is in sports. Go and get those tickets in. Have yourselves a Wednesday here on the Sports Grid Network. We are just getting started. Keep a smile on your doll. It is Wednesday, baby. The morning after. Damn, it has been a lot of fun. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning.